Some of the toughest people to try to help are those who refuse to help themselves. There is a way to think about them and possibly come alongside them while trusting the Lord to bring the needed change. What I want to do for you in this podcast is to provide you with five practical graphics to help you help that person who is stuck in bad behaviors. Thank you for joining me for the Life Over Coffee podcast. If you want to find the show notes on our website, go to episode 109. Episode 109 is called Five Graphics to Help the Addict Change. By the way, this is for all of us. All of us are addicts. To varying degrees, you don't want to be that person who compares your sin list with the other person with their sin list. Yeah, granted, consequentially, some sins are far worse. But from an ontological state of being, all of our sins are the same in that any sin will put Christ on the cross. And so, yes, some some sins do cause, they do wreak more havoc in people's lives. I'm not downplaying that, but what I'm what I'm suggesting is that we all can be helped because we all have our addictions. I, sus- I suspect that most of us struggle with, with anger. You're probably not a drug addict. You're probably not an alcoholic. You're probably not in some what we call heinous sin, but one of the easier addictions, to use that language, is anger, frustration, impatience, for example. Now, the biblical language is Galatians 6.1. Paul said, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, restore this person in a spirit of gentleness. And so we want to come along caught people. The idea is like you're walking through the woods and you step in a bear trap. You're caught. That's what an addiction is. And so the word caught and addiction are synonyms. And I'm sure you're caught. Something has captured you. Again, I'm not suggesting that you are an addict in the cultural understanding of that word with the more severe sins. But regardless of the person that you're helping, this podcast will help you. And I would encourage you, if you can, get to episode 109 of the Life Over Coffee series, then please get to it and you can use these graphics because they illustrate wonderfully well the concepts that I want to share with you. Now, I've also inserted an article in the show notes. It's titled, How to Help Someone Who Does Not Want to Help Himself. Now, this is the true story of a guy that I went to college with. We both got our theology degrees in the Bible. And some decade later, he was a full-blown drug addict and He asked me to meet with him. He wanted to talk. Somehow he found me, and so I went. I met with him, met with him in a hotel room where he was staying. And he was, as I said, a full-blown drug addict. I didn't know that within 24 hours he would be dead. I, I was sad and regretted in a way. I wish I could have met him sooner, but I had no idea But I shared with him some of the things that I'm going to share with you, and they will help you. There have been other people that I've had the pleasure of walking through these concepts who weren't as caught or far along as my friend was, 
they were not 24 hours from death and and they responded well and so i hope that these things these illustrations graphics will help you along with this podcast and the article that is embedded in the show notes the first graphic is really a picture of what jesus said in luke 6:45 you know the text very well he said for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And what he's doing in that passage of Scripture is he's reminding us that there's no discontinuity between what a person says and who the person is at the level of the heart. It is imperative that you remember that when you're working with an individual who has an external problem, an addiction, that that is not the primary problem. The drug of choice, whatever it may be, is a symptom or a byproduct of what is going on in the heart. The heart is feeding the addiction. The source of the addiction is in the heart. Therefore, the amputation approach that Jesus talked about in Matthew 5 is only a partial answer. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. That's a good start, but it will not take care of the problem, and that's why behavioral modification will not work. It will help you to stay away from the drug for a while, the drug of choice for a while, but it is imperative that you deal with what is going on in the heart of the individual because it's in the heart that feeds these things. In fact, James uses, uh, he teaches this in James 1. Let me share with you verses 14 and 15. This is what I call the LSD passage. He said, each person is tempted when he is lured. There's the L. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. There's the S, L, S, lured, sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death, the LSD passage. And what James is teaching here is that the sin that we normally talk about on the outside comes from the desires that are on the inside. It's what Jesus was teaching in 645, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Or for the alcoholic, you could say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth drinks. For the angry person, James talked about that individual in chapter 4, verses 1 and following. He, he asked this question, what is the source? What is the cause of your anger? Then he answers the question by saying, is it not this? You desire and you do not have you covet and cannot obtain. You crave and you murder. You have a war within you. Too often we think about anger as something that is happening outside of ourselves, is coming from out there toward us, and we respond in anger. James says, no, not at all. Your addiction, your caughtness in anger comes from inside of you. So the first step in helping the addict is to make sure you understand what are some of the shaping influences in this individual's life that is motivating or has motivated them to do whatever it is the drug is. How well do you realize that the source, the source, the cause of external addictions is inside of you? Imperative teaching. 
Question two, are you able to discern some of the complicating heart patterns that feed our addictions? Let me give you a list of just six. This is not an exhaustive list in any way, shape, or form, but just to give you an idea of some of the things that you want to think about when you're helping the addict. Some of the things that are going on inside of them where they have used a drug and addiction to cope as a coping mechanism for the heart dysfunction. Shame is a big one. Guilt is another. So is insecurity and discontentment. There are four. Here are two more. Fear and frustration. And as you begin to talk with an addicted person, you will find some of these heart things going on inside of them, plus a number of other things as well. And so it is imperative that you diagnose the heart as you are addressing the external issue that may be frustrating you. Parents fall into this trap all the time. They get so sick and tired of whatever's going on in the external life of the individual and bypass the cause of those things, what's going on in the person's heart. The second thing that you want to discern as you're trying to help a person change is you want to make a distinction between character-related problems and capacity-related problems. The way that I say this is you want to discern, sometimes I'll, I'll ask this to myself or when I'm teaching our mastermind students who are learning discipleship, Make sure that you you know, are you counseling Forrest Gump or are you counseling Steve Jobs? Those are two different individuals. Forrest Gump had an IQ of about 69. Steve Jobs, I don't know what his IQ was, but it was higher than 69. Those are capacity issues. Everybody has a ceiling is what I'm saying. Everybody has a certain speed that they can throw a fastball. And if you're counseling an individual with a 45-mile-an-hour fastball, you want to make sure that you're not asking them to do more than they can possibly do. They don't have the capacity. Then if the person has a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, you need to be able to discern that. Now, there's a difference between capacity and character. You can't Repent of capacity unless you are uh, not hitting your capacity. But you can repent of character-related issues, things of the heart. And so people are different. How well can you discern the uniqueness of the individual that you're discipling? What you don't want to do is cookie-cutter counseling. You don't want to map the last discipleship session you had with someone with the next person, even if they are struggling with the identical same thing. Maybe another way of asking this is, are you comfortable separating character issues from competency issues? You know, sometimes like in marriage counseling, the wife will say, my husband doesn't talk. Well, okay. I have asked this question before. Is is your husband a, a universal mute? Meaning he cannot talk in any context whatsoever. She says, my, my husband can't talk. Well, that's definitely a capacity issue. He doesn't have the physical ability to talk, according to her. 
What she should say is that he won't talk. Specifically, he won't talk to her because that's not a capacity issue. That's a character issue. He's not a universal mute. He can talk and does talk in other contexts. And so there is a a character-related issue with this person, and that is really good news. Now, it sounds like horrible news on the front end because she's she realizes that, oh, he can talk, but he won't talk to me, and that hurts, and it does hurt. It stings deeply. But the good news is, is that he can repent of it. If he was a universal mute and he couldn't talk in any context at school, at work, at home, at play, couldn't talk anywhere at all, well, you can't repent of that. That's not remotely possible. And so even though it stings that he won't talk to you, he can change. And so you want to discern these things. You know, for example, here are some character-related issues. A person who's proactive, energetic, thoughtful, passionate. Say a person is not passionate about God. Well, is that a capacity problem or a character problem? The way that you discern that is the same way with the talking, non-talking person. Is he passionate about anything? What you're probably going to find out is that he is. He's a passionate person, and he really gets stoked. He gets amped up about something. He just isn't amped up about God. Proactive, energetic, thoughtful, passionate. Here are four more. Detail-oriented, intentional, planner, smart, Those are things that you can look for, and you want to see how these things are working out in certain areas of his life, and then if they are working out in certain areas of his life, then you know he has the capacity to do these things. And so in this point, in this second graphic, you want to be able to discern between character-related issues and capacity-related issues. Now, this third graphic I call the balanced Christian life. This is where I take this idea of character and capacity, and like a rubber band, I just stretch it out, really stretch it out so you can get inside of this thing. And I've divided the individual up in this graphic into three different parts. In order, you have the spiritual person, you have the educated person, and you have the skilled person. Now, I'm not going to replay everything about this graphic because I did an episode on this, and I have it linked here in these show notes, and I would encourage you that it would be important that you listen to this episode. It is episode 107. It was two episodes back, and the title of it is, What is the Balanced Christian Life? I have this graphic there, and you can listen to the entire 30-minute podcast and get inside of this graphic, but let me give you the highlights. The things that you want to discern inside the individual, the spiritual person is number one. What is their relationship like with God? And then you have the educated person. What do they know about God? And then you have the skilled person. How are they applying their relationship with God to their lives? 
Some of the spiritual elements that you want to discern are wisdom, love, heart, character, integrity, honesty, morality, purity, affection, passion, motivation, maturity, intention, and thoughts. They're all listed here. And then as you think about this addicted person, you want to think about their knowledge. You're getting more into their capacity now, their intellect, their education, their IQ, cognitive insight, analysis, and understanding. So important that you be able to separate character-related issues from capacity. Forrest Gump has a certain intellect, and so does Steve Jobs. Education, IQ, cognitive ability, insight. By the way, Forrest Gump has great insight. His education may be low, but he has great insight. Analysis and understanding. And then this third element is the skilled person. You're looking for things like application, practice, behavior, ability, modeling, process, method, will, and fruit of the Spirit. And so you want to make sure that you're really getting inside this person and you are understanding them thoroughly. We don't want to be simplistic in our counseling where we just do the Nike advertisement, just do it. Well, that would be nice. But what Paul said in Galatians 6.1 is that these are caught people. And for those of you who are spiritual, you are to restore them. The idea of restoring a caught, an addict, a caught person is restoration, is kartizo, and you see that Greek word kartizo also showing up in Mark 1.19 where it talks about two of the disciples walking by the sea and they see people mending their nets. Mending is the word restore in Galatians 6.1. These people have broken nets. And Paul said to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. You come alongside them and you mend them because they have been captured. They may have entered into the addiction volitionally with power and with control and they dabbled with it. But after a while, the way addictions work, the way you get caught is that It comes along after a while and captures you. Now it owns you. You do not own it. I use my father in this illustration because when he was 21 years old, he he had his first drink of alcohol, and he was in total control. He made a decision, and he did it, and he liked it. He did it for a while. But after a while, alcohol came around and captured him. Now he had no control. He had no power over it. It had power over him, and that is an addiction. And it would be way too simplistic just to tell him to stop. No, he needs long-term care because he is in a battle for his life. But unfortunately, he didn't know God, and neither did I. And he took his first drink at 21 and his last at 42, and that's when he died 21 years later as in a drunk alcoholic. He was addicted. There was so much brokenness inside of him that he used alcohol as a way of medicating. It would have been great. It would have been fantastic if a competent Christian came alongside him when he was 21, 22, 23 years old and began to walk him through these things to get inside of this dysfunction that was in his heart. 
And so the change process is to understand that the source, step one, the source is inside of the heart. Some of the shaping influences like shame, guilt, insecurity, discontentment, fear, frustration. And then you want to begin to separate between capacity and character issues. What are the things that he can and cannot repent from? How can he change? How can he not change? Because this is just how he is. This is his built-in ceiling. And then to get more into that, you want to you want to stretch that rubber band out further where you see the spiritual self, the knowledge self, and the skill self, and to begin to address all of these different elements within that. And then the fourth thing is you want to begin to surround him with godly companions. He needs to change. And a part of that change is that he needs to change the companions that he has in his life. Bad companions corrupt good morals, Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 15. Well, the the opposite of that is also true. If bad companions corrupt, then good companions build up. They help you to change. And so you want to hold him accountable to surround himself with good companions. Now, when I talk about good companions, I'm not just talking about people. I'm talking about godly people and godly things. Now, no doubt his friends are important. And so you want to make sure that the friends in his life are people that are feeding him godly things, encouraging him, praying with him, praying for him, teaching him the Bible, holding him accountable. The local church is huge, that he is in a good local church that allows you to be exposed, to be transparent, to be the person you really are in the context of, say, a small group within that local church, that the leadership is modeling transparency so he doesn't have to come into a local church hiding who he is, that he doesn't have to trot out an edited version of who he is, presenting that edited version because the real person, this shameful person that he knows himself to be, has to hide behind fig leaves because the church is not a context for him to be transparent. Other godly things or godly godly people, godly things, the godly things are music, prayer, Bible, serving, the practices, his own behaviors, listening to God-centered, Christ-exalting music. You want to create tributaries that come into your mind, that begin to wash your mind from the filth that has been in there for so long. The Bible, of course, is a great brainwashing tool. Christ-centered music, God's Word, prayer also is an excellent way to reshape the mind. And I mentioned serving. Well, an addiction is a self-centered lifestyle. Serving is part of the great two great commandments, love God, love others more than yourself. And so one of the best things that an addict can do to get off himself, to, to detach himself from himself, is to pour himself into other people rather than pouring himself into a bottle or into a syringe, pour himself into other people, become a servant. Becoming a servant has a way of cleansing you because now you're you're moving your thoughts away from yourself and how you can 
be a blessing and be an encouragement to other people. And so Godly Companions, as this infographic in episode 109 shows, the, the good companions that I have here are Bible, prayer, music, practice, serving, small group, local church, and friends. And so make sure when you help this person or the way to help him in a comprehensive way is to make sure he has godly companions. And then the last graphic is you want to be clear as you predict his future. You can predict a person's future. It's easy to do. All you do to predict a person's future is that you you have them turn around and look in the rearview mirror. If you look in the rearview mirror, you'll see a timeline of their life. And that timeline of their life will be replicated in their future. You will continue to be the person that you have always been. With the exception, it will get incrementally worse or incrementally better depending on how you have been in your past. And so if you want to alter your future, you need to change today. If you don't change today, you will not alter your future. You will replicate your past into your future. And so what you want to do is you want to make slight changes into your maybe you need maybe you need to make big changes. But you want to make changes whatever they are right now even if it is a slight change. Someone was talking about this idea recently and they said I didn't need to make slight changes I needed to make radical changes and unfortunately I didn't do that and and my future was a replication of my past, except it was more horrendous. It became more dysfunctional than my past. And that's what I was saying is that it becomes incrementally worse or it becomes incrementally better. It will be like the stock market. It will be up and down. Of course, there will be good days and bad days. But what you're really looking for is the trend. What is the trend in your life? Are you trending upward even though you're dipping along the way? Or are you trending downward? And the way that you change your future is by, is by making a slight change today, and it will alter your future. We call this progressive sanctification. We are progressively changing. And so the idea for the Christian is that you're trending upward as Paul said, that the old person is wasting away, going down, but the new person is being renewed day by day. But for some Christians, it's hard for them to be renewed day by day because they are caught, or what our culture calls addiction. And once it becomes addictive, or once you become caught, it is nearly impossible to extricate yourself from your caughtness which is why he said in Galatians 6.1, you who are spiritual, meaning you who have the spirit, you come alongside this person and you cartatizo, you mend their nets. You restore them in a spirit of gentleness. The spirit of gentleness is essential. And Paul also said, as he continued that thought, that you keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Because it's so easy to become impatient with 
a person who is caught in a lifelong problem, whatever it may be. And that's why I said at the beginning that we need to guard our hearts by recognizing that we are all addicts. We're all stuck. We're all caught by something, a behavior, an attitude. We all need help. And so we should look at each other compassionately. And then we should learn how to competently help each other. And I trust that this podcast has has been a part of that help. And so if you can, go to episode 109. It's titled, Five Graphics to Help the Attic Change. And I would encourage you to look at these graphics, study them. And then if I can answer any questions that you may have that will help give further insight to these things, we have public and private forums that are available for you. If you're not a supporting member of our ministry, please go on our public forums and ask your questions. Our team is there. It's what we do every day. We're answering questions. And so if you're not a supporting member, please, you're welcome to come to our community and we will be glad to help you. If you're a supporting member, we have private forums that you can come. It's our smaller community of our supporting members and We would be more than glad to be able to answer whatever questions you may have. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Again, this is episode 109, five graphics to help the addict change. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.